episode of the Last Ones In podcast, where being late to the party isn't a bad thing, except for today where everybody was late. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jariah. Yeah. 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 Um, I am your host, Jariah Archuleta. That person you heard talk before was E. Nope. <laughs> and then we have Robbie here. You can't prove that. And then from the internets, we have my sister, Samantha Archuleta. All the way from the internet. Whoa. All the way. <laughs> from AOL. <laughs> <laughs> and the movie that we're looking at today is the classic 80s film, The Breakfast Club, which came out in 18... No, it didn't. <laughs> 1885. 1985. 1985. <laughs> it came out before both world wars. <laughs> the reason why it's a classic. The reason why it's a classic is because it's the first movie to come out after the Civil War. <laughs> I just love the idea, like, there's like a... Archaeologists like this dusting off all the bones and stuff, and they just find a copy of the Breakfast Club. And they're like, "What the heck? That, that sounds great, actually." <laughs> <clears throat> what are we doing? Yes. Yeah, so this was directed by John Hughes. We have, of course, already had two John Hughes movies on this podcast before. We have. We have. Can you guess them? E. I want. I want a real guess from you. Can you guess the John Hughes movies? It's been two. Okay. Um. Blue Valentine. Nope. Nope. Uh. Think eighties. Think 1880s. Uh, think Robert Lee and Ulysses S. Grant. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing, huh? No. <laughs> okay. So John Hughes, uh, he really is known for defining the 80s because honestly, with all the movies that were giant hits and are still talked about today, he sort of did. Yeah. Oh wait, wait. I have National Lampoon. Boom. Got it. Yeah, I got one. Yeah. Fifty percent F. Yeah. So. <laughs> um. So yeah, he worked on on a lot of things in the eighties. He he directed some things, but mostly he was a very very good writer. With I'm gonna say a bunch of movies in your back. Holy shit! National Lampoon's Vacation. Holy 16 shit! Candles. <laughs> Weird Science. Pretty in Pink. Oof. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Uncle Buck. <laughs> and this last one is technically not uh eighties, but I count it because it's so close. It came out in 1990, Home Alone. Oh. Yeah, he wrote all of those. <laughs> wait, wait, the planes, trains, and auto, like like the documentary thing that you could no, order on? No, no, no. It's a comedy movie. Oh, I th- about like- About getting home for the holidays. <laughs> oh, I could have, like, just in my mind, whenever I watch cartoons, there's always like, planes, trains, and automobiles. And it's like, <laughs> you get a DVD with planes, trains, and automobiles. <laughs> Are you talking about like those 90s info, or the info commercials where they're just like, trains, trains, and more trains. Yeah. Watch all these trains and these yeah, trains. Like VHS collection. Like, yeah, and you get them for, except mine were DVDs. 72 VHSs of trains. <laughs> yeah, it's like, which train's this? And you're like, I'm four. <laughs> Barely legal trains. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> well, um, <laughs> to be fair, when he said barely legal trains, I was thinking of a train that like is just falling off of the tracks while it's going, <laughs> but just full of passengers, oh, and somehow the terrorist from from speed rigged it to where if it goes under 50 miles an hour, just blows up the whole train, <laughs> and then they start panicking because it only tops out at 20 miles an hour. Yeah, that's exactly what I meant. <laughs> well, surprisingly, I have seen another movie on there, which is Weird Science. You, yeah, you have. That's I don't, I don't particularly that's, like that movie, but... <laughs> That's weird because I've heard of Weird Science, never watched it. It's, I don't think it's worth watching. It's weird. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Really And science <laughs> But before we yeah. start talking about this movie way more and watching everything, uh, how are you guys doing? E. Hi. What's up? What's in your life? 
I've been animating and working on my game for the most part. More of that. Yeah, I fixed a bug where you couldn't play my game. That was pretty... <laughs> right, yeah, I tried doing that last week. It didn't work. Yeah, it, yeah, it, it should be broke. fixed. And the tutorial broke. Yeah, that I don't think I fixed. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know why it broke for you, because it hasn't broke for literally any other person. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Uh, but um, the animation, I did. A, I got like an eight-second chunk finalized. Nice. <laughs> and I started that after I told you guys I did a 15-second chunk. So that should tell you how long it takes to animate if you don't know. So you might be done with this by the end of the year. Maybe. <laughs> that, that I'm hoping. Turns into a Christmas present. <laughs> that, that they paid for. Yeah. Um, I've been back. I talked about that itch bundle a long time ago. I, I've been doing another dive into it. How, how many games ended up being in that? 64 pages. I think Jeez. there's like 15 per page. Holy crap. Yeah, there's a lot. Um, but yeah, I've like, you know me, I'm looking at the stuff no one talks about. Right. Cause you want to play the thing that no one cares about. Yeah. So I've been playing, I played Eat Girl, which I would describe as Pac-Man <laughs> with momentum. That's weird. It's really fun. It's, it's more of a puzzle game than Pac-Man quite frankly, but it's really fun. Pac-Man with momentum just sounds weird and like way harder. It is. It's awesome though. <laughs> I love it. Uh-huh. I know. When I think of Pac-Man with momentum. I think of a game to where like you're going and like you're eating all the blocks and you go to turn a corner, but you have to stop in order to turn the corner or else just slam to the wall. It kind of is like that. Oh, except like the slamming to the wall is only like, oh, dang, now I have to hit up. Oh, instead of like, <laughs> oh, dang, I died or whatever. I played this game called Gambare something. It was soccer and I thought it was just going to be like a multiplayer soccer game. Mm-hmm. It's like Final Fantasy or Final Fantasy. It's like Fire <laughs> Emblem with but- soccer. <laughs> Huh. It's really cool. I think it's way too long, but it's really cool. That's like a Fire Emblem game? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh. (laughs) yes. Um, Another random game is you uh, are... What's that thing where you poke each other with sticks on horses? Jousting? Yeah, so you're jousting, but you're on a unicycle. (laughs) So like unijousting? Yeah. Jousting? Nice. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. (laughs) Then... That's supposed to be. I played uh, just random stuff, which I don't always do. Getting ready for classes to start up again and dreading that. Getting ready for the end of the world. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Also, I move again. Which... Yeah, you move. Next so week fun. Also. How much I have to move my shit all the time. <laughs> I mean, I know. you're probably getting like really good at it. I was gonna say like I I feel your pain on that one, but whenever I moved back to Colorado, whenever like that first job that I got that I really hated, I had to do like this whole crazy thing to make to prove that i was who i really was to the company and one of the things i had to do was like tell them how many are how many times i moved in the past 10 years and the amount of times i moved in the past six years was insane because like i was just moving from place to place whenever i was in utah for a while there Mm. i think that happens with a lot of people honestly yeah i mean i did like well for me it was like a lot of uh like oh like I want you as a roommate, so you should come live with us. I'm like, okay, I, I guess so, and then live with them for three months and then move into my own place and then go through that again. <laughs> Fun. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that's my life, just getting kicked around a bit. Cool, cool. <laughs> 2020 being 2020. Sure. Yeah. I, speaking of 2020, I was going to say, uh, I still think one of my favorite memes from 2020 is they said, if anything has summed up this year so far, was a dumpster on fire uh, being like dragged down a river with a private property sign sitting in the front of it. Yeah, kind of, yeah, yeah. <laughs> actually. Well, what's going on in your life, Robbie? Lots and lots of work still. Uh, 
despite the fact that I showed up late today, I still like had like four and a half hours of sleep before I got here. I don't understand your life at I, all. I mean, I don't either at this point. So, you know, just imagine if you had to sleep at your work. Oh, if God, I, I would love to, to sleep, sleep at, work. at my work. Yeah. Just stay an extra eight hours all the time. If I got to sleep, I think I'd be fine, actually. Yeah. But what, like it's still open, though. So you, everyone's still just running around while you have to sleep in the middle of the store. Yeah, I could do that. But <laughs> do you have to? Do you have to work while? Yeah, you have to work while sleeping. Oh well, then no, I'm still working. Then no, I'm out. Why would I do that? You get two dollars. I mean, yeah, I was gonna say like if I could actually sleep at work, I'd be fine with that. It's that I had to sleep and I'm not at work is the problem. But uh, going to work all the time or six days a week still. Good, good. I I don't think I've actually like played a video game or watched a movie in like three weeks. Have you considered not putting yourself at great health risk in order to make money? Nah, that's silly. <laughs> but uh the most i can say is i've watched a couple interesting things on youtube because of that because like i just been looking for content that i can listen to while i continue to work i mean honestly that's fair but i think they finally got it down like we don't have like a whole bunch of problems at work because they kind of figured out who's good at doing what so they're like robbie's good at doing things without a- us asking him to stay extra time <laughs> <laughs> i mean to be fair like they still come to me like every wednesday like hey do you want to work overtime like they asked me to work tonight, basically, but I told them no, and they tried saying, like, we'll, we'll pay you double time, and so they had got a bunch of other people to work overtime for that, and I still said no, because I'd rather have at least a day to do something like this, like, despite the fact that it's always hectic to get all this started, like, this is kind of my relaxing day, is yeah. to come here and do a podcast with you guys. Yeah, you get to watch the Brunch Bunch with us. So. Yeah. The Brunch Bunch. <laughs> <laughs> there are alternate titles for this movie. I hope one of the Brunch Bunch. Crunch. Yeah, the Bunch of Crunch Trio. Lunch Bunch. Lunch Bunch, not Brunch Bunch. That doesn't even alliterate. Brunch Bunch is better. Yeah. Yeah, but the other alternate titles were The Lunch Bunch and The Library Revolution. Not the dinner winners? No, not the dinner. <laughs> you should have titled this movie. It would be Brunch Bunch if I titled this movie. The Bunch of Crunch Bunch Bunch. Hey, Sam, do you want to tell us why you worked or didn't? <laughs> why I worked or didn't? Sure. <laughs> So I can eat and pay my bills <laughs> the American way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Work yourself into an early grave and then our uh, the next person replaces you. can you. relax. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you're poor. <laughs> yeah. You can't. <laughs> well, then why are you poor? That's your fault. Yeah, you should have been rich. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Dumbass. You should have worked, worked harder. You should have worked 24-7 instead of 24-6, Ravi. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> like, that's my main problem. Yeah, why didn't you get a day job? Come on. Oh, God, I wish I could have a day job. So what really has been going on in your life, Sam? Because there's got to be something. It's top secret. Did you find a new skeleton? Redacted. <laughs> okay, well, well, that's fun, Sam. It's not fun. It's not fucking fun. Why do you always ask me these things? It's never fun. It's always work. <laughs> it's just an obligation. Let's go full circle then, Jariah. You want to tell us what you have done? Yeah. Tell us what you did. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've mostly been watching a lot, a lot of stuff. Uh, I'll get into it a little bit here. Rewatched Love Sick, which is a... Really, really good show on Netflix. It was originally a Channel 4 show over in the UK. And then after season one, uh, Netflix bought all the rights to it. And Much like Black Mirror. Yeah. Uh, originally, the show was called Scrotal Recall. <laughs> which what? is a really dumb name, 
It's funnier, but it's also a really bad name because when it was called that, I never wanted to watch that show. You didn't <laughs> want to watch something called Squirtle Recall. Yeah. Weird, right? I know. Uh, but it's about a guy that gets a STD oh. and then he has to like go and tell all of his exes that he has them. And every time he tells an ex, you get like the background story of why they broke up. It's really good. You would hate it. E. Yeah, it sounds like a you show. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, watched the ultimate cut of Watchmen, which is uh, fucking long. It is. It's really fucking long. I won't get into that here, but it's really long. It's three yeah. days long. Almost four hours. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I <laughs> remember like watching- Close to three days. <laughs> I remember watching the director's cut for that movie and thinking, like, this is a really long movie, but I can't imagine it any other way. Yeah, and the ultimate cut adds more. I can't imagine why anybody would, would want to watch The Watchmen. Read yeah, the book. Good. Who watches The Watchmen? I mean, come on. <laughs> I hate you both. Yeah, and then uh, played some arc with Sam and Rocky there uh, the other night, and that was good. That was yeah. fun times. Um, but yeah, that's that's been my life. It's been fine. <laughs> okay. It's fine. It's fine. Which means it's time that we get into predictions. I, of course, have seen The Breakfast Club. Robbie? I absolutely love this movie. I've seen it a bunch of times. Sam? Yep, I've seen it. And E, of course, has not. Hello. (laughs) Process of elimination. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's one of those things, like, you guys make fun of me about me bringing, like, these weird, obscure movies from the the early 2000s, (laughs) but that's, like, the only realm of movies that I've watched that you guys haven't seen, usually. It's true. You're right. Uh, So, E. Hi. What do you think this movie will be about? Okay. So there is a bunch of high schoolers, and they're fucking nerds, and they're outcasted <laughs> by every other group, so they become the breakfast men. Okay. And by doing so, they are the breakfast club. What do you think the tone of this movie is? Very, I'm going to say, uh, middle. Middle? What does that mean? <laughs> That's not a thing. <laughs> I don't know. Like, somewhere... What do you think the tone of this movie is? Cheese whiz. Somewhere around <laughs> zombie land, I think. Okay. <laughs> this will be weird. Yeah. Well, let me read the back of the box and see okay. if that is any amount of enlightening for you. <clears throat> they were five students with nothing in common, faced with spending a Saturday detention together in their high school library at 7 a.m. They had nothing to say, but by 4 p.m., they had bared their souls to each other and become good friends. John Hughes, creator of the critically acclaimed Sixteen Candles, wrote, directed, and produced this hilarious and often touching comedy starring Emilio Estevez, Anthony Michael Hall, Judd Nelson, Molly Ringwald, and Ali Sheedy. To the outside world, they were simply the jock, the brain, the criminal, the princess, and the kook. But to each other, they would always be the breakfast club. Wait, what's, what's a kook? A crazy person. The guy. <laughs> the crazy person? <laughs> Sam. What? Just think of Sam. When you think of kook, it's Sam. Okay. Yeah, she's a kook. She's kooky. Wow. So ooky, spooky, kooky. <laughs> spooky, kooky. That's what I always say about Sam. Okay. I don't, yeah. So, yeah, this is one I, I really don't know what the heck this movie is about. I'm not sure how you're going to handle this movie. Yeah, like, there's a good chance you'll watch this movie and still not know what the fuck it's about. You're either going to love it or you're going to hate it. I have I, no I feel, idea where you're gonna land on this. Yeah, one. I, I feel like that is this is one of those movies. Like, I it's very rare you'll hear someone like, "Yeah, it's okay." Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's a. Uh, I would say it's a classic coming of age tale. Really, we've seen many of those. We have. Yeah, um, not on this podcast actually. I think we've only really seen one, one or two, really. So yeah, this movie is available on uh, a bunch of stuff actually. 
Um, it is available in Hulu, but only if you have a Stars subscription attached to it. Of course. Who, who uh, does? I don't know. Um, Sling TV, Stars only subscription, obviously. <laughs> It's apparently on Amazon Prime, and then with a stars only subscription, <laughs> yeah, that would be great. <laughs> no, <laughs> um, and then it's on YouTube, Google Play, and Vudu for the normal three ninety nine. As long as you have a star subscription, <laughs> I kind of don't doubt it at this point. <laughs> so what it sounds like is whoever has stars owns the rights to this movie. Uh, probably yeah. <laughs> and then yeah, it is an hour and thirty seven minutes. E. That's not that bad. And it is rated R. What? Or R. Why do you guys keep? doing rated r it's rated it's rated r for really really good yeah thank you sam for really feel like some (laughs) eggs right now (laughs) can i ask is there actually breakfast in this movie no what why why is it called the breakfast watch the movie i guess (laughs) (laughs) i mean there is a lunch scene technically yeah that scene's we're gonna get into that okay well all right yeah i guess i'll figure stuff out so we'll be back after a short break forget about me (laughs) 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 baby what (laughs) wait what i was doing nfl i was yeah oh oh yeah (laughs) Anyway, <laughs> welcome back. We are back. <laughs> um, we're back from watching The Breakfast Club. Um, also known as The Brunch Bunch. Um, so E, with Hi. you being the only person who hadn't seen it before, what did you think of The Lunch Bunch? Hey, you know how you said you don't know anyone who thinks it's just okay? <laughs> I think this is... It's fine. Hey, we found the person. <laughs> perfectly fine movie. Had to be a person we knew, didn't it? Yeah. God yeah. damn it. Um, I think I think it's important. I think it's a part movie for what it's trying to say. I'll probably go more into that in spoiler stuff. Um, okay. Yeah, I think it's fine. <laughs> I don't really. <laughs> it's not a ton to say. Uh, I guess for how notable it is, it's worth a stream. But okay. I mean, I don't. I don't really know. I don't see much people being people who would just go out and buy this, but apparently this is a very important movie to people, so maybe I'm just devoid of emotions. I think might, that might be a problem. Your All emotions right. and not having them might be an issue. That could, uh, that could be why. Yeah. <laughs> so there we go, rent. No, wait. No, I said stream. 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 <laughs> okay. Let's go over to Sam. If you had to buy, rent, stream, or pass on this movie, what would you do? And what are your uh, quick thoughts on it that are non-spoilery? It's good, and I would stream it because I did stream it. Yeah, you did stream it. That's it. I rented. Well, I guess rented it. Did you have any other thoughts you wanted to? I mean, we'll get into it. It's good. Like, there's not much I can say about it other <laughs> right, than that until we get into spoilers. I just want to make sure we didn't completely. <laughs> and my final review. I'll get to that. Okay. 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 Uh, what about you, Robbie? Uh, for me, this is kind of one of those nostalgia movies for me because I saw this. It was one of those things. Like by the time that I was. I want to say in middle school, it was one of those older movies that would show up on TV randomly. And I watched for the first time censored and with commercials. And then I remember, you know, back whenever video rental places was a thing, getting five bucks and being able to rent that movie. And then I watching it like every single day of the rental before having to give it back. And <laughs> like, yeah, I, it's one of those things, I guess I don't want to call this my ghost tale or ghost yeah, story, a ghost story movie. Like wherever, you know, like I really love this movie, but I understand why other people don't kind of thing. But it is very much a nostalgia movie for me where I grew up watching it and 
saw myself relating with each one of the characters a little bit. And it's one of those, you know, it's technically a slow burn movie because it's mostly just a bunch of kids talking in a detention room. Yeah, it's very simple. Yeah, it's very simple, but it's very impactful, too. (laughs) So, like, this is one of those, like, if anyone doesn't like the movie, it's kind of, you know, it's fine. It's whatever, but it's just it. It's really good for me. I really like this movie. I'd say this movie is a buy. It's a classic. Yeah, like if anybody doesn't like it, like it's fine if they don't, but you just don't love them anymore, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> e. <laughs> Listen, or you don't it. love them as much. <laughs> Listen, it's not that I'm mad. I'm just disappointed. Fine implies I like it at least a little. <laughs> yeah, but you know how my rating system is, though. If you think it's just fine, that means yes, you hate apparently. it Apparently, <laughs> As we have discussed most weeks on this podcast. <laughs> Apparently you just hate everything that Robbie likes. I don't get it. I if you don't even if you just kind of like something and you think it's okay, I put usually put you in the camp of dry hating it. I still like Gattaca was the best. I think I gave that like one less point than you did. <laughs> Sorry, just tangents. But um, anyway, as for me, um, yeah, it's a really really good movie. I think that it's a. I could see it being a hard movie to come to as an adult, but like if you see it in your growing years from like the ages of like 12 to 18, I would say like there's a lot that you can kind of get out of this movie and a lot that can say about growing up or just life in general as somebody that age and dealing with the dramas that they're dealing with and everything feels like it's the end of the world when it isn't. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's really good. I like how the movie starts and how the movie ends. It uses a lot of the same lines, and it changes it is a, the meaning. Yeah, it it has a very good meaning, and it's a very quotable movie too. Like a lot of other movies, that quoted this movie as a direct reference to The Breakfast Club. Yeah, that's a very, very highly referential, mm-hmm. or referred to more, I should say. Um, yeah, it's really, really good. It's definitely a buy in my book. I think it's one of the greatest coming of age movies out there. Uh, it just feels like a bit of a journey, I'd say. Yeah. The whole thing. Uh, so yeah, uh, we're going to go into spoilers and some behind the scenes stuff and production. Uh, and, uh, we'll be right back. And we are back. So I'll give a quick synopsis. There's five high schoolers and they get detention. All right. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. It. That's really That's, that's pretty good. If if you want to give like zero spoilers to somebody and tell them what this movie's about, you could literally just tell them that, and they'd be like, "And you wouldn't be wrong." Yeah, no. Like, there's a bit of deconstruction of uh, characters, obviously, or else no one would watch this movie. But, <laughs> yeah, if yeah. it was literally just watching five <laughs> students have detention for two hours, but fucking what the fuck? It'd it's be just, a ghost story. It's just real time detention. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be fair, it's one of those like I could probably count on one hand the amount of times that I had detention going to school in general. But yeah, it was always they did what they could to make it as boring as possible whenever yeah, you were in detention. It's it's put perfectly at the start with uh Brian when his mom was like, You better study and he's like, We're not even allowed to study, we just have to sit there. Yeah. I mean to be <laughs> fair, like they do like okay, so like the detention that I would have in high school, like they in some cases God, I can't remember they may have even called it like a study uh like a study hall or something like that, but they would literally like stick you in this room where there was just a desk and four walls and there was nothing else. And they would put papers in front of you and study, do what you need to do kind of thing. No AC. In some cases, no. So essentially a four by four. Yeah. Yeah. So it's prison. Yeah. More or less. School is (laughs) a prison. I think that's pretty fair. Yeah. (laughs) That's the idea behind it basically. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. It it is also, it's as simple and as complicated as that. 
which I think a lot of the best stories are. It's something that is so insanely simple, and that's why it becomes this much bigger and more amazing thing. Because, yes, it's about five students that go into detention, but it's also about five students who are completely different stuck in detention together. Yeah. And they're forced to have to learn about each other. And that's what's really great about it, I think. Because it's kind of that sense of, like, all of them are as different as they possibly can be. Yes. With how they say in the very beginning of the movie, if I am getting this right or not, with, like, you know, there's the brain, the basket case, the athlete, the princess, and the criminal. And that's yeah. the kind of the role that all of them play inside of the school. And like, there are people who, outside of being stuck in a room together, would never talk to each other or never even acknowledge any, their, the other's existence. But they're all kind of forced to talk to each other in the sense that they kind of, in a weird coming-of-age tale, find out they have more in common than they do have different of each other. Yeah, and that's something that I actually like about it, because it does start off with putting each one of them in their own little box. Like, that's just what they are. Yeah. And then by the end of the movie, it's like, we all have a little bit of that in us, which I think is kind of actually a really great message of, like, you don't want to be put in this little box. Like, you yeah. can be whatever you want. You can be everything or nothing. It's it's up to you. Like, you don't have to just be this thing. But And I think it's kind of one of those things with high school, too. Like, there's always, you know, all the cliques of, like, you know, like, oh, all the athletes sit together, and then all the preppy kids sit together, right. and then all the nerds sit together, yeah, yeah, and yeah, then yeah. all the art students and blah, 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 blah. And, like, I mean, they never talk to each other because they're like, oh, like, they're not part of our clique. They don't matter kind of thing. And Yeah, everyone's just so afraid to be embarrassed. Exactly. And it is it is kind of one of those things with high school, too. Like, you know, if one of the nerdy kids went and talked to one of the jocks, even if one of the jocks accepted that nerdy kid, all the other jocks would be like, why are you talking to that dork or whatever else or vice versa? Pretty much. I went to a very different high school, so I'm not going <laughs> to. <That, laughs> we all liked each other. I don't know what you guys are talking about. Well, like, so, so, like, I know that I like, there was cliques, but, like, at my high school, there was a lot more mishmash. Like, the athletes also were, like, in the double advanced math classes that I was in at a lot of times. So, like, there's a lot of overlap in that stuff. And there were definitely, like, we were the guys who played games, and we would sit at our table and play games. <laughs> but, like, also, one of my friends at the time was the over-excelling person who was gonna go into the military. A very specific click that i still think applies to a lot of people somehow yeah like <laughs> i don't know there was a lot of issues and maybe that's a bit of why i don't take as much from this movie that's fair that's fair Th- there was definitely clicks yeah. of like i said when i in the high schools i should say because <laughs> i guess a little backstory with me is i went to a school with like 40 or 50 students in my class and so like it was just one of those like you can think of 50 people like you know all in a weird way, no, at least knowing each other's names, and I think, and so I know that E went to a way larger school than me or Dry did. Yeah, I yeah. think Dry went to my graduation. Uh, that took like four hours. Yeah, to- it's literally an auditorium, like yeah. a giant auditorium where they would have sports and stuff. And that was shocking to me because ours, uh, my graduation was literally in a stage area. Yeah, like it was a hundred <laughs> parents, maybe if that. Yeah, yeah, and the fun. I want to say our actual graduation maybe took, I want to say, 30 minutes, and then like they did what they could to kind of pad it out and make it longer than what it should have been. Make it worth I sang a drive. song during that, and I can't yeah. sing. That's how much they needed people to just pad it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're, <laughs> we're not even kidding. We're not even kidding. Like, I remember that. Like, It, it was one of those weird coming-of-age tales for me in real life because they asked you to sing for that, and I remember that uh, the administrator who like, walked up to me that day and she's like, hey, you can play the guitar, right? And like, I could play like three songs on the guitar at that time. I was like, uh sure she's like cool i need you to write a song for graduation you have three days wait wait, wait. write a song yeah write yeah. a song and me and dry Just got together and on we... the water we know you know it 
I knew the beginning part of it. <laughs> That's all you need to play. You, you're a guitarist. You know no one actually knows how that song goes. You just play that part. Yeah. But yeah, like it, they literally asked us, like they gave us three days to write a song between me and Drya. And three days. He, yeah, three days. And this is someone, like I said, and like we had an idea for a song. Like where it was going to be like kind of punky, like kind of like a punk pop song to where it was kind of like a little catchy <laughs> and like had a little bit of an upbeat. But I wasn't that good of a guitarist at that time. <laughs> <laughs> and it was literally like I was screwing around on the guitar and Drya's like, hey, that sounds nice. Keep playing that. And like I played like the same three chords over and over again. And then he wrote lyrics to like those three chords. So you guys wrote a pop song. <laughs> kind of. Um, do you care care to recite it if you remember any of it? I, um, the funny thing is I remember how to play the song that we did. I really doubt either of us remember the lyrics. Definitely something about being happy. Um, I remember like the little hook to it was like uh, your graduation anticipating your life or something like that. Yeah, that sounds right. It was really bad. I wrote it, was, it in three days. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even think it was three days. I think we wrote it in about an hour and a half and then we practiced it for three days. I have a question. Did they ask you because you're a writer? Yeah. <laughs> and they asked you to sing it too. So though. it was yeah. literally like Dry wanted to get into writing, and they're like, "Oh yeah, he can write a song because he's a writer because he's oh. starting to get into writing." And I knew how to play like three songs on the guitar, <laughs> so I'm definitely a musician, so I can help him write the song. Like, so that's literally how their <laughs> what their brains went towards with that. But it was like they literally had no other option to pan out to like it make it longer. You can sing. I'm so sorry you can for write. you guys. I mean, that. to be fair, I still like that kind of. Because we still actually got people coming up just like, hey, that was a pretty good song. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to be like, yo, that was fucking bad. Anyway, congratulations, I guess. Yeah. Okay. But like, we well, actually like, had people saying like, hey, that was pretty good. Like, you guys did a good job on that song. Like, and I think it was mostly people just trying to make us feel better about it. But well, I know like it made me feel better about actually playing guitar. And so I kept on doing it. And I think it helped dry a little bit with his writing because he still writes. Yeah, I try. <laughs> I definitely can't sing, though. I mean, to be fair, you're the only published author in this book. Or in this, in this book. In, in this, this book. book. We're is... actually all characters in Dry's book. He's yeah. just really imaginative. Yeah, and then actually Stephen King is writing the book that I'm writing, so it's very net meta. Yeah. <laughs> but but uh, uh, he's the only published author in the room, I should say. <laughs> yes. I don't know if that counts. Uh, well, well, I didn't have a graduation because I got my GED. <laughs> That's anyway, <laughs> so, I, I was gonna. I guess I should say because of high schools too. Like I went to uh, like a normal, normal high school. I say in quotations that you can definitely see in a podcast format. Yeah. Um. Try add that in post. Okay. Cool. <laughs> but no, because like I went to like I guess you can say a standard high school, and in a weird way, I was kind of just a ghost there. Like I didn't really talk to people or anything. And then I found out about like the alternative school where like all the people who I did talk to went to that high school and so I ended up as soon as I got my license and as soon as I got a car like I transferred schools right away you could just and, do that yeah yeah, yeah. I huh. mean what were they gonna There's do like to stop six me? schools in the valley what do you want them to do I guess that's fair I just like think <laughs> like my schools were so scared of everything like you weren't allowed to go into the school without signing a bunch of papers oh yeah we didn't <laughs> yeah. have that Anyway, I'll just say Breakfast Club's good, right? Yeah. <laughs> but no, uh, like the, I guess with me going off on that whole big tangent, like the whole idea of me saying that was, uh, I guess it's one of those, like I saw myself a little bit of like each person in this movie, which I think is done on purpose. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it was just one of those, like, you know, you see those clicks and then like you see a little bit of yourself in each one of the clicks. And like it just, you know, kind of brought me back to certain times in my life to watch all these scenes play out. Something that I... uh found interesting when I was looking up stuff for this is that 
that scene where they're all sitting in that circle talking about each other, that's completely all ad-libbed. Really? None of that was scripted. <laughs> yeah, so, like, the biggest scene in the movie, which takes up, like, an entire act of the movie, is just them all sitting around and talking. You know if they were even told what the reasonings they were supposed to be in there for? Nope. They just knew their characters. A, a lot of that went with how John Hughes treated the actors, honestly. He respected them quite a bit. He went along with a lot of their choices. That's um, Like, he actively wanted them to be like, okay, this is, like, your character. Like, make it your character. He gave them early drafts of a script to be like, hey, like, if you're going to play a character in this movie, I want you to play a character. Which one would you want to play? So, like, he let them relate to the characters themselves so they could bring something to it. Um, he wanted it to feel very real, obviously. Okay. But, yeah, that, that entire scene is completely ad-libbed, which is insane because it's... Yeah. It is the crux of the movie, in my oh, yeah, opinion. Oh, yeah, definitely. It is the best scene in mm-hmm. the movie, for sure. Yeah, it's, it's so good. In a weird way, like, ad-libs can make or break a movie, and in a lot of cases, it makes a movie. And I guess a good example of that would be, like you said, that scene where they just completely ad-libbed it, where it ties the entire movie together, where they stop becoming strangers and they start becoming friends, you know? Yeah, like the real world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, he, he really did want them to get to know their characters and who they were supposed to be there. To the point to where, before shooting it, he made them all do the entire script in one go, as like a play, basically, so that they would get to know their <laughs> characters and like know their spots and know everything that they're going to be doing, and so they can play around with it once they actually start shooting. So it got to the point to where it was actually pretty good, to where people were like, hey, can you just write a play version of this so we can put it in high schools? Which I didn't look into if that was done or not, but it was definitely offered to him. Hmm. I mean, I could see that being a possibility, considering I want to say 99% of this movie takes place in that library. Yeah, which is actually funny because it's not a library. Like, it looks really good, right? Like, yeah, it yeah. looks like a pretty good library. It was just a gymnasium in an old abandoned school that they built a set in. Hmm. Yeah. Really? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's kind yeah, of If cool, somebody right? told me, like, oh, yeah, they just, like, went to a school on on Saturdays and Sundays and filmed this movie, like, I would have believed you. Right. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, they, honestly, they fucking, the set designers killed it. Oh, yeah, definitely. Even got that weird, why is this art piece in the middle of the library feel to it yeah i did go to bigger school and that's just the thing like there's just like art pieces in the middle of it and you're like that's there it's supposed to be inspiring or whatever blah blah blah. yeah we got like stock photos on the wall sometimes fair <laughs> he's not he's not even kidding <laughs> actually so i have something so early, earlier i asked why is it called the breakfast club if they don't eat breakfast you said i have to watch the i still don't understand why it's called the breakfast club <laughs> i think it has to do with them going in very early Boo. <laughs> it's That's all I could think of. This should be the lunch bunch then. Or maybe it's because, you know, they're scrambled together. I, that feels <laughs> stretching. <laughs> so, yeah, they don't. Lunch bunch is I'm definitely a better this. fitting name. I guess Breakfast Club sounds more cool. Yeah, the Breakfast Club does sound cooler. But the, the lunch bunch sounds like it should be like an after school television show that you show to your six year old. I get. I mean, I think that's just the association with, like, the Brady Bunch, quite frankly. Yeah, yeah, like, anything with the word bunch, really. <laughs> I think that's literally because of the Brady Bunch. Uh, the film's title comes from the nickname invented by students and staff for, for detention. At a new-tier high school, the school attended by the son of one of John Hughes' friends, thus uh, the ones who were sent to detention were designated members of the Breakfast Club. There you go. All right. So, yeah, the Breakfast Club is basically just a slang term for kids who go to detention. That's fair, I mean... So I guess it does kind of have to do with what you're saying. Yeah. Being in the morning. <laughs> Instead of eating breakfast on Saturday morning, you got to go to school and go to detention. Yeah. How would they even enforce that? Maybe it's just an 80s thing, but there's no way they could enforce that for kids now, I don't think. Different tiers of punishment. It mostly just went to suspension at my school. Although there were like, 
there was like a tier of people who would just get suspended all the time and not give a shit and just go outside and smoke cigarettes. So yeah, yeah, that sounds about like the friends I had. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so okay. Yeah, maybe there's like a cultural divide here too. Probably, probably. I would say yeah. yeah. I live in a. I'd call it a post-Columbine schooling. Yeah, uh, I would say school is definitely far more. Well, I mean, we live post-Columbine too, but I would say school shootings are far more prominent yeah. while you were in high school than yeah. while we were. Yeah, yeah. like it, it started to become more of a thing. Like it wasn't even as prominent as it is now, it was just becoming more of a thing because he thought like, oh, this only happens whenever somebody snaps in like a larger school, so we don't have to worry about it kind of thing. I guess so since I had the quote-unquote hot take uh <laughs> i'll talk about things i did like I, I like most of the characters in this i'm not sold on the criminal guy yeah you were real cringe on him yeah you like didn't like anything he said he's kind of just an asshole yeah i don't know just a jerk <laughs> a terrible person i understand why he is because his family life sucks yeah uh but <laughs> but like again like that's just a kind of person that is in high school yeah, like, and i cringe at that person in real life too was yeah but like, <laughs> I don't know. like it, it, at it, the end like it leads you to believe that molly ringwald and um the bad boy like get together but you I know that's believe that because <laughs> relationship <laughs> I, that's one thing about this movie too is it kind of leaves it open-ended because you know it shows uh uh, Brian, you know, the uh, the brain, him saying, like, I could see you, I could see all of you being my friends whenever we come in on Monday, and then some saying, like, yeah, I could see that, like, I wouldn't turn, I, I'd still be friends with you, I wouldn't turn you down, but then the ones who are in their cliques, like the jock and the princess, like, they're saying, like, oh, well, my friends would never accept that, so it's never gonna happen. And so yeah. it kind of leaves that open-endedness of, like, these people, they could be friends whenever they come back to school on Monday. Yeah. They could never talk to each other ever again. Like, you, you don't know what's gonna happen when they get back to school on Monday. I think more of, like, what it's doing is saying, like, kind of showing people i would say more of that not just of that age but definitely people of that age of uh, high school age of like how prominent peer pressure is oh yeah how important it is to people of that age i think it's still important to people like even in their 30s and 40s and like so on and so forth but whenever you're a teenager and you're still discovering who you are as a person and you're still very they're very vulnerable and so like it, you kind of care more about what people think about you and so you kind of feel like you know, I, I need to do this and that in order to fit into this clique. And if I don't, then I'm going to be outcast for the rest of my life. And yeah, it doesn't okay. help that, like, I don't know if you guys got this, but I know that I definitely got this growing up is the whole, like, oh, these are going to be the best four years of your life. So you better enjoy it. And kind of people told me that, but throughout high school, I was like, that's bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. It was, there was bullshit. There was one drunk guy at a house that I was babysitting at that told me when in high school, like, that's a bunch of bullshit. Don't believe it. Um, I think the people who were like, this is the best four years are people that probably like got drunk all the time, passed all their classes and were really popular. Yeah. They probably really it was, enjoyed it, it. Yeah, it was <laughs> it was people like the jock that went to parties and had a bunch of friends and was the the person, you know, in high school. Like, yeah. you know, are they like, you know, those are the people who would say like this are who had the time of their lives in high school. And then whenever they went out into the real world and they got a nine to five it's job like, and realized that the rest like of their when life they peaked. They peaked in high school, so that was, like, the best years of their life. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and they're the ones who who are going to tell you, like, these are going to be the best four years of your life, so you better enjoy it, and blah, 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 blah. Or, like, it's usually that, or su people who are super cynical and just hate the fact that they have to work a nine-to-five in order to pay bills for the rest of their life. And, like, Seems I fair. didn't have to deal with that in high school, so you better enjoy it now. Except <laughs> you're not allowed to enjoy it, because when you're in high school, everyone tells you to get a job and to join every club yeah. and everything like that. 
No, I, I was never told to join clubs. I think that was definitely a you problem on that one. Yeah, there was. Yeah, there wasn't as much clubs in our dirt poor schools. That's fair. I so I'll say. I guess right now I'll say I do actually relate to uh, Brian a lot because that is very much a problem I've had my entire life. Yeah. So, which I think that's that's the point. Being right? extremely yeah. smart. Yeah, like don't. <laughs> no, not being extremely smart, having to deal with the know, pressure of smart people, <laughs> having like the pressure on you. Yeah, because like. So that's something I like about this movie, because, like, that, in society in general, that's usually scoffed at, if you're like, fuck, I gotta be. Because a lot of people who, like, a lot of people who just get bees are like, why are you complaining about a bee? Without understanding that the people who freak out about bees are the people who aren't allowed to have bees. Like, yeah. they have those parents that will say, like, oh, like, if you don't get all A's, then you're not gonna go to this prestigious college, and then you're gonna not get this really nice job and you're going to have to struggle your whole life. So you better get a 4.0 every single year and yeah. like be valedictorian every year kind of thing. Like I knew people like that. Like I definitely wasn't that person growing up. Cause I, I think even now they don't really have that message. Cause like even I'd say in most things made nowadays, it's still kind of a joke that the person who gets A's gets a B. And I don't think that's really fair. And I think that really reinforces bad stigma in society which okay it's but, it's one of the reasons i say this movie is important because it's like it's showing how society failed these people yeah not just society of, like their parents yeah more it's so, more or less their parents like i say society because like i'd argue it's the societal pressures that brought the parents to be how they are and that gets enforced in the children yeah mm-hmm. like i think i like when again in that scene where they're all sitting in a circle talking and they're like are we just gonna be like our parents when we're older and like Everybody is just horrified at that thought. Yeah. Because nobody wants, like, very few people, I would say, like, look at their parents and be like, that's who I want to become. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty yeah. sure everybody in this room is like, does didn't want to be their parents when they grew up. No. No, I've been actively trying not to be. Yeah. Sa- well, same here. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's one of those things that people struggle with, too, is, like, being in that vulnerable state in your teenage years and trying to find yourself. Yeah, which is what this this movie does really well. Yeah. But there is that societal pressure, like you said. Like, you know, there's the brain who, you know, he freaks out over the fact that he got an F. And that even if he aces the rest of the semester, he's only going to get or he's only going to graduate with a B average because of that one F. And because like not even so much society, I think his parents just pressure him into getting the best grades that he can so he can get into the prestigious school and blah, 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 blah kind of thing that he he can't take it. And that's why he decides that he's going to kill himself. And that's why they find a gun in his locker, even though it's a flare gun. See, I think that's where uh, that scene is going for. Is like you're supposed to think he's going to shoot up the school or kill himself. Yeah. But he really did just have a plan to burn up his model. Like, oh, there's yeah. a throwaway line like, uh, the flare went off my locker, that fucking elephant burned up to hell. Well, it's because <laughs> he said he had a gun in his locker, and so, yeah, they say that. Uh, yeah, but, like, his plan really was just to burn the elephant so he didn't get an F. <laughs> Maybe. And then uh, I also knew people who were, like, super athletic, and, like, they're fat. Like, it was usually from their fathers, too. That, you know, they pressure them into being the best athlete possible and that there had to be winners and that they always had to be winning and yeah. they had to be the best athlete in the school and everything. Even though it's this little tiny podunk town, they still got to be the best in this little podunk town kind of yeah. thing. And they're pushed <laughs> to be the best at their craft, whether it's like football or wrestling or basketball or track or whatever else. It's just like the parents projecting their dreams onto their children. Definitely. Mm-hmm. And then it, it's... <laughs> You have the ones like you have the jock and the brain and the princess and their parents are projecting onto them. And then you have the criminal in the basket case who their parents just don't care. 
that's what uh that's one of the ones that i really like is the uh the as you say basket case the kook mm-hmm. yeah um the sam if you will uh, <laughs> um it's that like they're her parents from the car you see because you like get a kind of a picture of the life that they have at home from yeah. the cars that everyone uh, their parents are driving and her parents are like really uh have a nice car and you don't see them but you see the car yeah and so you get this picture of like oh they're like doing well off and she's like just weird but like she's like they just ignore me they don't care about me yeah and so like, and you get a sense of that too whenever she like kind of tries to go to the passenger window to say bye and they just drive off without saying a word to her yeah so like you can see the ins- the effects that the parenting styles have had right. on their kids right and you get to see like that trickle down of, of I, behavior yeah and it's i don't even think it's just the parents i think it's also the school too within that sense because they even are whenever they ask like, she's like you know what i did to get in here or into, into detention today nothing i had nothing else better to do yeah, kind of shows like they, yeah it's one of those like what did she do to get into detention i don't know but she's here so fuck it kind yeah. of thing she literally so, just wanted attention or someone to do or something to do some sort of connection to make yeah and then i guess also like with the criminal one too with like the fact that he's in an abusive household kind of like all this is just his way of lashing out which is one of those things you don't realize in high school but you kind of realize when you get older is that a lot of those kids who were bullies growing up like they had a bad home life and so they lashed out at school because they didn't know what else to do and I think that it honestly portrays that. Like, oh yeah, I would say every character and their backstory is fairly cliched at this point. Like, if you're looking mm-hmm. at the box, you can see like, oh, this is what every single one of these characters is. Right. But I think that this is kind of the movie that helped cement those those cliches. Those, yeah, into those that. stereotypes. Yeah. Which is, I don't know. That's one of those things of like, I'm. That's why I'm always so interested to have like E because he's never seen right. anything. Um, like watch something like this because he. I mean, I guess it's it's cemented into a lot of pop culture and stuff like that. Yeah. But like going back to, I would say probably, I would say this is one of the originators of it all, um, or at least the one that made it big and famous mm-hmm. of having these cliches and even so much so to like in the opening and ending uh, monologue you hear literally branding them as such. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so another interesting thing about this movie is that it was all shot in sequence. Oh, so it was just... Their first day on set was whenever they were all driving up on there, and their last day on set is whenever they were all getting picked up by their parents. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, which is very strange, but it also works really well, because it goes along with that whole stage play idea he had for the whole thing, too. Yeah. I mean, it's one mm-hmm. of those things, like, the way that this movie's filmed, too, because it is very much filmed like a stage play. Like, I wouldn't doubt it if this was filmed in, like, a day or two. It wasn't filmed in a day or two, but it was written in two days. He literally wrote the <laughs> first draft in two days over a weekend. Hmm. He wrote the first draft of Breakfast Club and you couldn't write a song. <laughs> in the same amount of time that me and Dry wrote a song. <laughs> in our junior year of high school for the senior graduating class. Since a good chunk of it was ad-libbed, it sort of makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it does. It does. Does a script just say, uh, talk about your life or why you're here? <laughs> hey, be sad for a while. Yeah. Just make something up. But yeah, I think that's honestly really cool. Here's a shocker. I think the romantic stuff's really half baked and not good. <laughs> I disagree. Yeah. I think like real life high school relationships. Honestly, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Honestly, like absolutely. I was gonna say maybe like, it was done I, on purpose. Honestly, to be yeah. fair, like we saw a lot of half baked. I was probably in a couple of half baked relationships. When yeah, I like was in high it's school. all so superficial when you're that age. Like it doesn't. Yeah. Nothing is like you want this to be forever because you don't think what forever is. What's forever? Yeah, I get that. I like. I still think from a movie and narrative standpoint is just <laughs> comes out of nowhere and goes nowhere i mean it comes out of nowhere but i think 
it goes exactly where it would really go. Like, yeah. I mean, if you put a, a bunch of high school or high schoolers into this, uh, to a room, into a room together for a few hours, I mean, you know, yeah, <laughs> I don't. I mean, gonna, no, I don't know. Okay, clearly so, evidenced by me not kidding. Here's it. the thing: like, <laughs> I, I remember in high school, the teachers were so hyper scared that we were all gonna like start having sex with each other if they left us in a room alone. That that we were not allowed at all unless unless we were in a room with all the same sex. Like they we, we weren't allowed to be in rooms alone. Which is fair because there were a lot of pregnant ladies. Yeah, that's fair. There were definitely a lot of people having sex at my high school, so I don't think they actually cared. They gave us sex ed instead. But yeah, like, I don't know. I think, again, for you, E, any romance thing is never going to make sense. No, but this one was like 10 minutes. Yeah, like high school. Yeah, it is. It's literally like high school romances. They're like, hey, you're really cute. Let's be boyfriend and girlfriend. And then they kiss and they're like, that was cool. I guess I know what that feels like. Fuck you. Like, it's, that's what it is, really. So, like, I I know, you're just not going to get, like, the romance experience no. things at all. But, like. And maybe, like, in my high school, the people I knew had, like, relationships that lasted throughout the most of the entire high school. So maybe and that's, that's definitely not one. the norm. Yeah. How like, do you know? What if the norm changed? Maybe it did. It could have. <laughs> maybe it did. It's, that would be kind of weird, actually. <laughs> <laughs> another thing kind of related um the makeover thing yeah that's it's, actually it's a dumb cliche did it start here or is it already a dumb cliche at that time uh hughes is definitely the big pusher of that in every one of his movies he has a big makeover thing yeah which i, I know for... i hate that so i hate that because i think it re- really reinforces a terrible stigma of your only like yeah it's like the there's that cliche of, like, the nerdy girl that has glasses, but she's, like, really hot, but you don't know she's hot until she takes off her glasses. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Even though in real life it's, yeah. no, I can't see. Yeah. <laughs> but, so, like, one, I'm sick of it anyways, but I really do think it's a really bad stigma, especially in yeah. this. I think this movie is a good example why I think it's such a bad stigma, because that's a really interesting character, and mm-hmm. I think her design really sells that, and I think her changing her design really takes away from her character yeah and then it hurts also that once she gets the makeover is when the jock starts kissing her and they become a thing that part sucks yeah i hated that i hated that just because she got a makeover that isn't going to change who she is like she was better beforehand before she got this makeover other people like yeah but she's hot now (laughs) yeah that that's pretty much the she was hotter before but whatever I'm not the person to ask, obviously. I actually, I actually agree with Sam on this one. I think she looked better before she got the makeover. I she looked more like herself. I yeah. think from a character she's design see- standpoint, yeah. From a character design standpoint, she felt like she was more comfortable in what she was in before she got the makeover. Yeah. Yeah, so I do want to talk about a few scenes in the movie okay. um, that I really, really like. When they all start like kind of talking for the first time, and you see the little glimpses into their characters compared to when they're in the circle at the end. Mm-hmm. I think it's kind of a perfect act one to act three like guidance of a character because it shows like little snippets of everything and then it's the way that they're able to put it all together kind of is incredible especially since like i don't know i'm still just blown away by the ad lib thing like (laughs) just that they're able to take like what they learned from the script and just very minimal directions and basically create the movie like without this cast this that wouldn't be this movie at all um the people in this, I guess you could call them the Rat Pack. I would call them more of like the John Hughes kids. Yeah. Because he yeah. put all of them in all of his movies forever. Yeah. No matter what, one of these, one or two of these kids were always in one of his movies. 
uh that's just and that's what, what she was. was telling me is like you know it's one of those things because like a michael anthony hall and molly ringwall like they were both in pretty and pink together mm-hmm. and then like anyway that, that that's besides the point of like you know it's just one of those things like i remember hearing that like my mom saying like oh yeah like all these guys were in movies together all the time in the early 80s they were they were uh but this for me like this is their defining movie if you ask me like this is my favorite out of all of the movies that they did i would agree with that uh i think yeah. i think this is just the most relatable out of all of them they yeah each one gets a little more weirder a little more niche or you know but this is like if you brought all of us in let's say we brought us four into this uh movie and we watched all of this and then we were all shown all of the other ones like we're all going to have a different favorite of all of his other 80s john hughes movies because they all hit a very different tone that's fair like weird science is very very silly and 16 candles is very much about being in love at 16 as a girl and like yeah what's that like with that and like yeah it's it's this is the one that melds all of his ideas together i think uh and then all of the other all of his other movies go into more detail about like all these smaller ideas so you're saying that if uh, there was a John Hughes cinematic universe, <laughs> this would be the Avengers movie. This would be the Avengers, yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, John Hughes, hit us up. We'll, we'll send you the oh, script. Oh, he's very the... dead. Hit us up. We'll send you the... <laughs> but yeah, the uh, bully guy was a giant jerk, and he like bullied Molly Ringwald on set. So much so to where it got to the point to where John Hughes was like, I'm going to fire you. Um, and then the guy that played the principal actually had to come to his defense, and be like, "No, no, don't fire him. He's just a really, really good actor." That so, that, no, you, you that's still a reason to fire someone. <laughs> yeah, that is. You, I don't care how good of an actor somebody is if they're harassing your others or other people on set. Like, fire them. Yeah, yes. and so the thing is, I think maybe he wasn't um acting. Oh no, uh, I think he's just a giant asshole because. Another thing about see that? yeah, the other <laughs> thing about the Breakfast Club is that it was supposed to be the beginning of a series. Um, it was supposed to be every ten years. Like this is literally what the plan was. They were all going to get all the original actors together, everybody together, and do another Breakfast Club every ten years. And like, hey, here's like an update of their life. This is where they're at now. Like, this is what's going on in the world. Hmm. And they couldn't do that because the guy that played the bully was a giant dick, and he had many <laughs> words with John Hughes over and over again to the point to where they just had a complete falling out. Wow. Yeah. Which is insane. Uh, John Hughes is a very mysterious man. I don't know if you know that. I don't know a lot about him, so I'm going to have to take your word on that. I know he exactly. made Home Alone. <laughs> um, he, made, he wrote a ton of very, very famous movies. We went over a bunch of them. Yeah. yeah. And he got royalties from all of them, and he lived a very reclusive life. Like There was just a point uh, in the 90s, basically, to where he was done. He would like write a couple things, and he would get like credit for characters and stuff, but he was no longer in the limelight, and he was definitely no longer interested in directing. Um, so much so to where people before he was dead thought he was dead. Uh, he just disappeared. He went completely <laughs> off the map. He was nowhere to be seen. Uh, there was a doc. There was multiple documentaries I think about finding John Hughes. Huh. And one of the crews eventually did find him where he lives because they just want to ask him a question like, "Why aren't? Why, what are you? What are you doing with your life? Do you have anything else going on? Like, what's up? Like, can you just talk to us? Can you let us know how you're doing?" Because they obviously really liked all of his movie- movies. And he sent out a note to them being like, "Hey, this is where I live." I don't want to have an interview at all. Please leave. And that was it. Why can't uh, they just leave people alone? What the hell? I mean, yeah, he, right? he disappeared. Like, yeah. But it's fine to do. Like, you don't need to Here's be in what, the spotlight. Yeah, I, I think what it is is people have a natural curiosity to s- people like John Hughes because John Hughes, like, pretty much all the cliches and stereotypes and, you know, um, 
pop culture of the 80s and early 90s like was John Hughes like he wrote a lot of that and so it's like one of those people get that sense of like what is he doing now like oh no one can find him what do you mean no one can find him this guy's an icon and like that that's when they go on like a huge search which yeah so like they eventually found him and he obviously didn't want to be bothered yeah and I think it's one of those yeah you're in the limelight you have people bugging you all the time because from what I can tell whenever you're in Hollywood and you're a big name in Hollywood you have people talking to you all the time whether it's fans or it's you know people trying to get you to do or to sign a deal or uh people want to do interviews or whatever else and like you never get a moment to yourself yeah um the the rumor is that he became very very ill and that's why he left which is very possible nobody knows literally nobody has any idea the only person that knows is his wife and she's not saying anything but he passed away i think it was between 04 and 06 something like that but um yeah so uh, he passed away without much uh, pomp and circumstance, and he just didn't really do anything ever as big as uh, any of his old classics, which is, it's just a strange career is all, because he came out of nowhere and did all these very huge things and then just left. It's very, very odd. Why? Honestly. Why is it odd? Yeah. Because people don't, people in the entertainment industry don't retire. Like, that's just not something you do. You, you create and you work and then you die. And like it's very, it's very, very strange. I know this is weird for you because you hate it's, people working until they die, but <laughs> um, it just seems so absurd. Um, but like, yeah, people just create until they die in Hollywood, basically. And so it's very weird for somebody to retire and just be done. Yeah, which there are cases. He's not the only person who has just retired from Hollywood and like left it all behind. But it is always like a very big deal to people, especially if they leave and don't say a word. Yeah, about like, that's it. the thing. He didn't say anything. Like he didn't like. And this is my last film. He just stopped doing it. Yeah. I mean, that's what I'd do, probably. I'd just, like, disappear. Why not? It's just so strange. (laughs) A a good example of something like that, too, is, like, um, there's people who, like, not even Hollywood, like, YouTube careers, uh, wherever, like, they just stop making videos, and, like, people are like, hey, I wonder what happened to that person, and no one really knows. And everyone's like, they probably died, even though that's the last likely thing that's going to happen. You'll get those people who are like, yeah, they died, and so, like, that's why they just stopped abruptly making videos, is because they didn't, like, that. Or sometimes... Sometimes life just happens. Yeah. Uh, like, it's like <laughs> you're too busy to do it. Uh, a couple of little fun facts here. Um, John Hughes said he has one big regret, really just one about this movie. And it's one that I think E is going to see coming because he laughed and was very confused when it happened. The dancing scene when uh, the jock gets really, really high and then he screams <laughs> and the glass breaks. Uh, John Hughes yeah. said the only thing he regrets about this movie is that glass breaking. <laughs> he said it's really weird. It doesn't really make any dumb. sense. <laughs> And then the other thing um, is, I didn't know this, actually, the song Don't You Forget About Me was made for this movie. What? So, yeah. I remember really? hearing about that. Uh, it was supposed to be a Billy Idol song, apparently. Yeah. And he wanted an ab- absorbent amount of money because he's Billy Idol, or Billy Idol in the 80s, and he's fucking rich, so he can demand a lot of money to use his songs. <laughs> yeah. And they weren't going to pay it, so they just wrote that song for this movie, which more or less kind of tied it all together. Yeah, it does. It's, it's kind of insane, because it's this... Huge movie, like not movie, obviously huge movie. Yeah, um, it's a huge, huge song, and like it's also synonymous with the '80s, I would say. But I never knew that it was made just for this movie. That's kind of cr- it. Actually, transcended the movie because yeah, you yeah. can most like songs you often will end up associating with a movie. Mm-hmm. This one, even with knowing the movie, it's still just that song. Yeah, it's such yeah. a good song, honestly. Yeah. Um, the other thing is that at the end, another ad lib thing. Whenever bully guy i can't think of anybody's name Judd john Nelson. cusack uh it was 
John <laughs> Evo, it was John Bender was his name in the movie. Bender, yeah. Uh, when Bender's walking towards the camera, he was originally just supposed to walk towards the sunset, and that was the end of it. Um, but he was like John. Uh, John Hughes was like, oh no, play with it, do some weird things with your hands, make it you. Um, and so he like put his fist up in like the rebellious nature, and it's kind of a symbol of the '80s too. It's just like put your fist up and just the yeah, like because you can totally thing. see me putting my fist up in this podcast format. <laughs> yeah. Like it's just it's so strange. Like all these little small things that. That grew to be so much bigger than the movie. These little nuances. I feel like the cast of this movie works very well, though. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, if it wasn't these exact actors, because they brought so much to these characters, they really are these characters, it would have been a completely different movie with any other actor. If Tom Cruise did this, I think this movie would be so fucking boring. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. <laughs> He'd be like, I'm Tom Cruise. I don't, kind I don't of, know what yes. Tom Cruise does. He says that. I'm, every single movie, he says, I'm Tom Cruise, and then he jumps out of an airplane. <laughs> I every single that, movie. I imagine that Tom Cruise just says that in his normal life. He's, he's, just, just, walking, he's just going I'm to Wendy's. Tom I'm Tom Cruise. Give me a number four, please. <laughs> uh, another thing that uh, John Hughes insisted heavily that the crew do is eat their actual lunches on the set. Because he wanted them to be, like, in that mindset still of, like, you're in detention. <laughs> yeah. did, did Emilio Estevez eat all that food in front of him then? No, those weren't their actual lunches. Okay. <laughs> but, like, oh, <laughs> I was going to ask. I was like, so, funny thing. So, in this movie, um, Basket Case, what, what was her name? The Kook. The Kook. <laughs> What's her name? Marianne? I don't know. Let anyway, me look, so. Let me look it up. Her thing is she, like, takes the sandwich out and throws the the pastrami whatever it is I forget what those are called lunch meat uh-huh. and like makes this sandwich out of like sugar and, and, and Captain, Captain Crunch, Crunch. Mm-hmm. yeah that's something I would make Dry Dry can attest to that I can uh, that was also her idea because she wanted it to sound really crunchy on camera so she's like what if I just put a bunch of Captain Crunch in my sandwich and John he's like her, okay her character was Allison Ren- R. yeah Allison Reynolds okay Allison yeah I just want that's just something I would make Dry see like I'll make I've made sandwiches where I just take some old lasagna I had and then throw goldfish on it and then eat that as a sandwich. (laughs) Yeah, he'll literally make anything into a sandwich. (laughs) It tastes good. So the last thing here that I have for everybody is that this movie uh, was very successful. I think it's pretty easy to assume that um, it had an estimated budget of $1 million, which is fairly low. Yeah, that's pretty... Um, But I mean, they literally shot in an old abandoned school and made the set in an abandoned gymnasium and shot in like four rooms. This is, so, yeah, this is more or less one of those, like, how can we get away with making a 90-minute film in one room? Yeah, basically. Yeah. Um, so, $1 million budget and worldwide gross was $52 million. So, insanely expensive. And you could see, or uh, insanely uh, profitable, I should say. He could have just disappeared after this movie if he wanted. He could have, yeah. Or maybe, just maybe be like, hey, I'm retiring at least, because it's weird to just leave Why everything. do you owe anyone that? You don't owe anybody, but <laughs> exactly. you have fans. Come on. Like, we're not going to just stop doing this podcast randomly. Says you. I won't. I'm going to steal your computer one of these days, and you won't have a way to say. Do it on my phone. I, <laughs> nope, he will, that's he gone will too. make me bring my computer over here to do this. We won't do it at my place, but he'll make me bring my computer over here. <laughs> I'll, I'll just figure out what our password is, change it, and then you're stuck. <laughs> it's, it's just weird, E. And I don't get why. Why do you? You don't owe anyone anything. You don't, but, like, <laughs> it's cool to just be like, hey, I'm done. Nope, I'm I literally did that, actually. Like, I used to make Let's Plays, and then just one day I stopped posting. Yeah, that's weird, man. <laughs> Rain, another thing. So, there's like three music montages in this movie. I think they're all ridiculous. They're probably, they're it's supposed the to 80s. be silly. Yeah. But, like, 
They're like yeah. absurdly silly, I'd argue. Yeah. So like with the mu- the musical montages in the 80s is kind of like just having musicals in an Indian movie. It just it was a thing. I guess. I just I don't know. Like it's not I think the thing about this movie is that there are moments that are supposed to be taken very seriously cuz the characters are taking them seriously, but like, yeah, there, you're, there's clearly moments where you're supposed to laugh with the movie. I know. I'm just like, maybe it's just because I'm not like into the 80s where you just did that for who knows why. But it's fun, man. Just have some fun. You love fun. I thought I do love fun. I think That's his, not fun. His idea of fun and these people's ideas of fun are two very separate yeah, things. My idea is, I love fun. I love the idea of this character just destroying a sandwich and reimagining it. That's amazing. You know what you need more of? E? Bad sandwich. Cocaine. Oh, that sandwich, yeah. I mean, that's probably <laughs> that what's on that sandwich. Cocaine sugar sandwich. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> um, she possibly got diabetes just off that one sandwich. It's kind of funny, actually. <laughs> uh, the actress was actually uh, very healthy. Yeah. She was very uh, strict on her diet. She didn't eat sugar. And apparently she got an extreme sugar high from eating that sandwich. What? Like, to the point to where she was super sugar. Was that yeah. her eyes were, like, all red? Maybe. <laughs> maybe. maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't me. doubt it. That's the reason why she's kind of, like fidgety throughout the rest of the movie right <laughs> right because they did do it in sequence <laughs> i don't so like i think just how 80s this movie is is probably a bit what like takes me off from it because i'm not too fond of how like they made movies in the 80s that's fair there are some I, ridiculous movies we can show you that were made in the 80s oh i've seen that i've seen some of the most ridiculous movies from the 80s but it's just like there's a a lot of it has to do with pacing. I don't like how eighties movies pace themselves. I this isn't the worst. I think there's like a bit of pacing issues, especially towards the first act. But like I don't it, know if I would call it pacing issues as much as there's definitely a tone to eighties movies. Yeah. Um you can almost hear the set happening in the background. So I, I think I know what you mean with that. Like it right. feels like you're not there, but like they didn't hide that it's a movie enough almost. Yeah, I, feel I think like, that's fair, yeah. But I think uh, let's get on to our final thoughts here and uh, score. Let's start with Robbie. Like I've been telling you guys, it's all nostalgic and it brings back a whole bunch of memories for me. And like, this is a good movie. Like I said, I think it's the characters are relatable to the sense of like, I see myself being a little bit of each of them. It like, you know, I think of the jock and I think of like, you know, times whenever I did sports in high school or, you know, I think of the brain and how I fell into that click of being the nerdy kid or like how I think of um Bender and like how he was the outcast and like or even with the uh, Allison and how she was that the outcast too and like how I kind of fit into that and like I think in a weird way the only one that I couldn't really think back to was uh Molly Ringwall's character because I was never the popular kid you're never really. the princess no I think the closest <laughs> I had to being the princess is uh I guess the and- time that you went to school in a dress yes <laughs> and they gave me a crown and they gave me flowers and then they <laughs> spilled pig blood on me and I ended up locking the j- gymnasium doors and Set it on fire. Yeah. With my mind. Yeah. <laughs> um, That's a reference, probably. Oh, weird. weird. <laughs> I love that E doesn't know what I'm referencing. No, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> no one tell him. Nobody tell him. No, never do. It just reinforces my fact that just randomly referencing things doesn't always work. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think the closest I had to that is like one program that I was in in high school is they put me in the talent search program. Which was basically like, you know, like, what are you good? Like, find what you're good at and like, I guess, move you forward with that, which I guess one thing I was really into during that time was art, too, which I found out during about the talent search program. But like with that one, uh, that was like the first time I realized like I could actually have a group of friends kind of thing and like be popular amongst that group of friends because like I got along with everyone whenever I went to that program. 
And like we all like and it was because I went to a bunch of our program with a bunch of kids who went to different schools and didn't know who I was. Once again, kind of like the same thing that happened when I switched schools in high school. It's just one of those like it makes me real like, you know, kind of once again puts me in that sense of like, you know, even though there's a bunch of kids that are finding themselves and like something to remind yourself, like if you are of that high school age and like you're kind of still finding yourself is that everybody has more in common than they have than they have a sense of difference of each other. And this movie is a good reminder of that. And like, it is very much nostalgic. All the characters, in my opinion, are very charismatic. It is very well put together. And even with the ad lib parts, like I didn't know about the ad lib parts, but that does make this in a weird way, a a better movie. In my opinion, like I really, really love this movie. It is very much a nostalgic trip for me. And I, because of that reason alone, I'd like, because of the nostalgia, I give it a high rating, but on top of that, it being well acted and with very charismatic actors, I'd say this is like a nine out of 10. It is very much a classic. Okay, cool. Uh, E. Hi. You do. Okay. Um, I think I just was unfortunately a little bit out of the age. I probably would get the most out of this. If we showed you this movie five years ago, you may have gotten more out of it. Maybe. Because Darius showed me some, like, coming-of-age stories that I did really click with. Because he's shown them, at, he's shown them at the right time. Mm-hmm. And maybe just, this wasn't my high school, really. Is right. a big thing, too. And of course, I just like I said it a little bit earlier. I'm just not too big a fan of how 80s movies are. That's fair. Um, I definitely don't think it's a bad movie. And I said this at like the start. I think this is a very important movie because I think this really did come to the time of like, hey, uh, how about we stop treating kids like shit? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, John Hughes <laughs> is really good at that of treating uh teenagers like people, which I think. Uh, teenagers in general have the problem of not feeling like they fit in anywhere. Yeah, because they're it, they're it's such an in between like five years of your life to where like you don't you're not young uh, enough to be treated special anymore, but you're not old enough to be treated with any kind of respect, and so you're just kind of treated like you're nothing for a while. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I think John Hughes does a great job of capturing that. Like that was, I mean, he put the Bowie quote at the start, and that really encapsulates it. I don't remember off the top of my head, unfortunately, but. Don't spit in my mouth. Uh. <laughs> nah, David Bowie wouldn't say that. <laughs> uh, he would definitely want you to spit in his mouth. Okay. Um, the quote is, And these children that you spit on as they try to change their worlds are immune to your consultations. They're quite aware of what they're going through. Yeah, I, I, that is the perfect quote for this movie. Yeah. yeah. There's, there are a lot of movies I say that start with a quote that don't actually apply to the movie very well. Uh, <laughs> This is not one of those movies. So it's it's amazing in a lot of ways, only held back by the fact that I probably should have watched this movie earlier. I ultimately, I'm going to give it a 6 out of 10 and with the reminder that that is a positive rating. Okay. <laughs> because I think, not for Robbie. <laughs> like, I'm, How dare you hate this movie? No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, it, I'm, kidding, no, I'm, I'm kidding. It's literally for the internet because people have gotten to a point where we forget that not... That seven isn't average. Five is average. Yes. Yes. I agree with you. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, it's one of those things too. Like I give like movies that we kind of downed upon. I guess you can say I gave like a six and seven, but like I feel like those are better than average movies. Like I, I got something more out of it than I would out of like yeah, it's a movie. Yeah. 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 But yeah, so there. That's that's the brunch punch for you. <laughs> All right, Sam. All right. Uh, yeah, I like this movie a lot. I love the 80s. I think this movie, like, it's one of those movies that, like, encapsulates the 80s, being a young in the 80s. Of course, I only spent, like, three years in the 80s, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I don't remember any of it, but... <laughs> 
but I like to romanticize. <laughs> yeah, it's you're at the age where you can just imagine that the 80s was in fact only good and not all the uh, bad stuff. <laughs> I, that's kind yeah. of the whole idea of like nostalgia. And be, like you kind of don't look at all the crap that happened during that time and just focus on or hyper focus on the good times. Yeah, rose tinted glasses. Yeah, I don't know. I just love, love 80s cinema in general, like 80s horror. You know, it's. Yeah, it's like up my alley. 80s music, everything. <laughs> you love those aesthetics. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like this is a movie that I've always enjoyed. I also say that is definitely one of my favorites of out of like the John Hughes movies as well. So <laughs> Same. The John Hughes Cinematic Universe. Yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's the adventures of the Johnny Cinematic Universe. <laughs> yeah. Um, good times. Good times. Uh, um, I do think it aged pretty well, but definitely a lot of silly things. Yeah. Um, like that scene. <laughs> the, the dancing scene or whatever. <laughs> it was really dumb. Yeah, pretty much anything to do with like the weed and like how everybody reacts to it is very, very <laughs> I'm 80s. Do yeah. 80 flips. Very like you smoke weed and then you dance like crazy and then scream so loud you can break glass. <laughs> There's like some over exaggerated things in it, obviously, and I don't, I actually don't love how it ended. I mean, I like the open ending, but I also don't like the forced romance with the bully and the princess whatever because you know yeah like i said like earlier i don't know if you actually got it <laughs> but it like you could tell it would turn into like a super toxic relationship because yeah <laughs> even just if those people met as adults they just like they're yeah. not the same world at all like yeah they're never gonna get along yeah exactly <laughs> she's obviously into it because she likes the bad boy and <laughs> you know <laughs> i mean the closest they have to like even showing that they're like these characters are into each other is like they do like that longing stare a little bit throughout certain sequences of the movie she bites her lip and uh yeah. stares at him a lot yeah yeah and that weird scene where he's under the desk and he like looks up her skirt yeah, that's fucked up. Like, yeah. creepy yeah can we just remove that <laughs> from existence yeah yeah <laughs> and it made it like all comical and not creepy and it was just creepy oh, yeah. <laughs> i think the 80s has a really hard time with the uh thing that should be really creepy not being creepy yeah it was like more acceptable back then yeah it's not acceptable now <laughs> and the whole thing where the goth girl gets a makeover of course, I don't like that ending. Um, <laughs> you as being a goth girl are, uh, I assume, feel very personally attacked. I do feel very personally attacked. <laughs> Just let her be herself. Yeah. Let everyone be their selves, themselves, except for the asshole guy. <laughs> yeah, I guess I'll give it a 7.5 or 8. <laughs> Okay, 7.5 or 8. One of those. Seven One of them. <laughs> seven and three quarters. All right, bring us home, Jiraiya. Um, yeah, I like this movie a lot. It's, it's hard to talk about because it really is a very, very simple story. And even just saying what the characters are and how cliche they are, you get, the, you get a very clear idea of what this movie is going to be. I think for me, the thing that ends up being so special about it is 
how much genuine heart went into a lot of the dialogue compared to what <laughs> this idea could have been in another director's hands. John Hughes just had such an incredible knack and talent of being an old man who could have the power to write stories about people who don't get stories written about them correctly a lot. It's so incredibly easy to fuck up writing teenagers. Yeah. Because yeah. it's so incredibly easy to forget just how stop on a dime crazy or emotional you could have been in those years. And I think that that's what John Hughes is able to capture. It feels almost effortless, honestly. Um, because even all the characters in this, like, they're very happy and then they're emotional and then they're crying and then they're laughing and they're making fun of each other. And, like, that that's what being a teenager is. is like, yeah. you're, you change your emotions instantaneously, not even you know why. And I think John Hughes just does a really good job of, of showing that. So, yeah, I, uh, I really do like this movie. It, even watching it now, this time, when they're all sitting in that circle, I still got really emotional during a few of those. Yeah. It's just, it, uh, it can bring it out of you, I think, if you let it. And that's one of those things, like that ad lib scene where they're all talking about each other and like how they got uh, into detention and everything, and how you said that all that was ad libbed. Like that surprised me because if you actually pay attention to that, like most of them are crying during that scene. Yeah, which kind of shows how much emotions and effort that they're putting into these characters and how they felt. Like it made it feel a lot more real. There's a lot of themselves in those characters. Yeah, yeah. which I think is incredible and very dangerous at the same time. Like, you could see these being real people that you went to high school with. Yeah. You can see yourself being one of these people that you went to high school with, and that's part of the magic of this movie. It is. It is. So, yeah, I give it uh, an 8. Uh, I don't think it's a uh, masterpiece, per se. There are other coming-of-age stories that I far prefer, but I think if you're trying to introduce someone to a coming-of-age story and they're of the teenage age, then it's hard to do much better than this. But yeah. Let's get out of this hot as hell room yeah. for a little while. We're all sweating, which is crazy because Sam's not even in the same room as us. <laughs> She's in the same room as Spirit. <laughs> uh, You're in this heat box with us in Spirit. All right. Uh, if you would like to contact us, let us know your favorite breakfast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we have social media such as Twitter and Facebook, the last ones in. Uh, you can email us your favorite breakfast at the last ones in podcast at gmail.com. Once again, that is the last ones in podcast at gmail.com. Yeah, so thank you guys for listening. Thank you, everybody, for joining me here. Sam, thank you. Yeah. Robbie, thank you. Of course. E, thank you. Yeah, yeah. If you guys are out there protesting, be safe, wear gloves, get tested, hand sanitizer, the whole shebang. Masks. Yes. Definitely masks. I yes. don't know why I forgot that one. Wear masks. I think it's because it should be obvious at this point, but right. maybe the fact that a... we have to say it means that it, maybe it's not. Yes. Um, and if you're not out there doing that, then stay home, stay alone, stay alive. You guys have a great week. Talk to you later. I'll take it out here. Don't you forget, forget about, about me. Baby. Not all coming-of-age movies are teen movies, but all teen movies are coming-of-age. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. High School Musical is a coming-of-age story? Yeah. yeah. What? I'm not even going to ask. You what, probably should is? Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, so QAnon. No, I just said I'm not going to yeah. ask. Yeah. I didn't say I wasn't going to tell you, though. <laughs> <laughs> I brought it up. That means that I opened up Pandora's box about it. It's just a conspiracy <laughs> theory to say that there is a secret person on the inside of the government that calls himself QAnon, and he's giving out all of the secret information and now the big theory with it is that President Trump is actually QAnon. 
and he's the one giving everybody the information. Is this is this QAnon the hacker known as 4chan? Tell me who you asked, probably. I do believe it started there. <laughs> <laughs> well, no. I'm going to have to edit that around to make that sound like it fit in and then have the rest of the conversation still happen. <laughs> Serving the one true dark lord, sacrificing children, and summoning demons, um, and working for the man. Don't you dare cut that out. <laughs> Back whenever, you know, they had like, it wasn't just stars and Cinemax and HBO. It was like stars and then stars comedy and then stars family and stars black and for like all stars the, white. There used to be a lot of stars. Yeah, huh? I yeah. forgot about that. Yeah, and it was like just like the same thing with Cinemax. It's like Cinemax and Cinemax comedy and Cinemax, uh, this and that. And like so Cinemax so barely legal. <laughs> I wouldn't. Tell oh my god. <laughs> I'm just trying to see what reactions I can get out of E now. There, they actually, some people nicknamed it Skinamax because of right. what you could watch after dark. <laughs> yeah, after midnight, it would be... Yeah, people skinning each other? Yeah, yes. it was yeah. really yeah. weird, actually, now that I think about it. <laughs> so many nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's the first... It chicken crazy. is basically the first to back out as a chicken. Yeah. Whether it's that head. trope of, like, two cars driving towards each other or... But, uh, yeah, like, dropping the cigarette in the middle, like... I played that game with some friends, and I think I did it to impress a girl at some point in time, which... Sounds right. Yeah, gross. Did it work? Sounds like Robbie. But, uh, yeah, I actually have <laughs> a cigarette. That didn't work? What? <laughs> well, it didn't work because I didn't win. I, I, I played against... <laughs> oh, that's why it yeah. didn't work. Yeah. yeah. I would just say it's there, and it sucks. That's yeah. also a fair take. It is. But, and yeah, uh, uh, it never really gets better, so... <laughs> <laughs> Good luck out there, kids. <laughs>